wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rhodes, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're gonna be mine. All night long. Here's Jonathan Hood. Happy holidays and season's beatings to you, and welcome in to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I'm Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at WrestlingTWT. That's WrestlingTWT. Don't forget, check out my show that I do with David Kaplan. It's called The Cap and J-Hood Morning Show, 7 to 10 a.m. Central Time. It's on the ESPN Chicago app. You can download the ESPN Chicago app. Or listen on ESPN 1000 in Chicago. And as always, I appreciate you checking out TWT. Appreciate your support on this program as we're getting ready to turn the calendar to 2021. Plenty to talk about. Let's discuss it right here on TWT. So the number one thing that we've heard so much about over the last seven to 10 days. Hell, a lot of the 2020 campaign is that the WWE ratings for Monday Night Raw are down. The Raw ratings are down. And we learned from the Wrestling Observer, from ProWrestling.net and other sources that the last hour of Raw this past Monday was the lowest of all time. And people are screaming and yelling, saying, oh, I can't believe it. The ratings are down for Monday Night Raw. It seems to me that every fall, we talk about how the ratings for Monday Night Raw are going in the wrong direction. And then, after the NFL is done on Monday nights, the numbers steadily increase. May not be to the Steve Austin, Rock, Attitude Era proportions, but they do increase. And so we go through this every fall, every winter. The ratings are down. Yes, it is epic. There's no question about that. Because we have found other things to do on Monday nights. Not just Monday Night Football or not just the NBA right around the corner. But there are shows digitally that we're watching. There are shows on the networks that we're watching. Stuff on our DVR. There's so many things that we can do now on Monday nights. Here's the thing. During this pandemic, the ratings have not been very good because there's no crowd there. But that is really no excuse. And here's why. Vince McMahon is set in his ways on what he thinks is entertaining. There's Bruce Pritchard there. There's a few others there, writers and those that used to be in the business full-time as a manager or as a talent. But ultimately, it's the audience of one Vince McMahon. And so, because I know that, and because you know that, 
I've found other things to do on Monday nights. As I've said many times in this program, I find it interesting that you find the time to spend three hours watching Monday Night Raw every Monday night. As if you believe that Steve Austin or The Rock or DX or the Nation of Domination is just going to roll down the ramp and we're going to have the kind of stuff that we had in the 1990s, the late 1990s. And that's just not going to happen. You are not watching Monday Night Raw every Monday thinking that you're going to get a renaissance of Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels because it's a totally different era. So I know as a wrestling fan that Vince McMahon does not want to have talent be so over and so over the top that they are bigger than the company. We're done with those days. The WWE champion is Drew McIntyre. And Drew McIntyre is the company champion, but he is not what you would feel like, oh man, he's like Randy Orton or like Edge or like Shawn Michaels or some of the other WWE champions in the past. This feels more like Kofi Kingston, CM Punk, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio. That's what it feels like. Because even though Drew is the champion, you know that he is not 100% over. He's over with me after all those years of being the WWE, in and out of the WWE, and finally becomes champion. I think it's a great story. But the story won't be told because Drew McIntyre isn't Randy Orton. Because he is not John Cena. Because he is not some of those other champions I've mentioned in the past. He has gravity to me. I enjoy watching Drew McIntyre. Because he was able to pull himself up and put himself in a position to get over. And during this pandemic era, you'll never know how fans really respond to him because there are no house shows. There are no live events. There are no fans in the stands. But I like him. But here's something I want to make sure I point out before we hear from Dave Meltzer. And that is, is that because I know that Vince McMahon is the audience of one, whatever Vince wants, he gets. And sure, he's the boss. He's the guy with the pencil. There, are, He has a staff of so many people in that company that work hard all week to put together a Monday Night Raw or a Friday Night SmackDown. And he comes in, strutting in, sits down at the desk. He goes, I don't like this. I don't like this. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tear up the entire show and I'm going to rewrite it the day of. That's some WCW shit. That's the same things they did in the Nitro era, where there would be rewrites and rewrites and rewrites while the show was taking place. Gene Okerlund going out there to do an interview and not even sure who's coming down the ramp. It was that crazy during that time. And what was happening? People laughed at WCW because they did make some mistakes. But this, these same things are happening now. Some of the skits that are on this show that I see on YouTube or I see pop up on my Twitter feed at WrestlingTWT, it's like, really? I, it, there's just no way that I can watch that show every Monday for three straight hours. I will get what I need out of it by going to YouTube or going to certain places to find out what happened on Monday Night Raw, but I, I can't invest time in it. And the reason why is because I watched that. I watched SmackDown. SmackDown, to me, is a better show. It's a shorter show. But, again, the storytelling is not sound. But what wins me over with the WWE is, more times than on the pay-per-view, even though the builds are terrible or you don't like what happens on the shows and people bitch about it on social media all the time, you get to the pay-per-view and like, wow, 
And we'll talk about TLC from this past Sunday in just a moment. But that's the formula that I've come up with. I don't have to watch three hours of Monday Night Raw. I don't need to watch two hours of SmackDown. I don't need to see the same type of promos, the same type of scripted promos every single week. I find it fascinating when I go on my Twitter feed and I follow a lot of different people from across the country and around the world. I want to make sure that Twitter feed had enough of of a diverse background. Different people, women, men, young men, they're wrestling fans that have wrestling podcasts like this one. And I like reading from some people that they're just invested in certain characters. I can't wait for this person to come out because I know that she's going to be great. Sasha Banks, oh, I'm a Sasha Banks stan. I cannot wait for her to come out. I can't wait for her to drag Bailey. People look forward to certain people. Kevin Owens, I'm a KO guy. I can't wait to see Kevin Owens against um, Roman Reigns. And some just get tied into certain storylines and they watch to see their favorite characters come out. I mean, ultimately, that is professional wrestling at its, at its essence. You wait for your favorites to come out. Some people you don't like, some people you do like. But I love the emphasis and the passion from some wrestling fans, some of WWE fans, that are just waiting for their character to come out. And so when I hear the complaints about all oh, Raw was really bad, it's, it's unwatchable, SmackDown's really... Ultimately, the pay-per-views, more times than not, not all the time, but certain things in the pay-per-view make you go, oh boy, boy that's, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. And, and that was the same with Sunday. But here's what's great about it. I didn't have to invest all those weeks on those short builds. <laughs> now, if you do, God bless you. If that's what you do, that's great. I don't do that. I can't do it. It's because of my work schedule, one. But two, it's just that I know what I'm getting. If I sat down and decided to watch Monday Night Raw over Monday Night Football or the NBA or something else like that, I know that those other sports will entertain me and this sports entertainment will not because I know what to expect. When I watch sports... More times than not, it is the unexpected. You expect the unexpected, something that you've never seen before. When I watch the WWE on a Raw and SmackDown, there's nothing that's new that I have not seen. And they tailor it that way. They they dumb it down that way. The excitement of Raw, as it once was, is just not there. Same thing with SmackDown. It's just not there. But when you get to the pay-per-view and, and the wrestlers start working hard, and they have more time to tell a story, then that's when it's time to turn on the WWE Network. But until then, these builds are pretty crappy. And they're not very good. And people, every fall, every winter, oh, the ratings are down. What's the WWE going to do? WWE ain't going to do shit. Because they know that you're still going to be around. When we get on the other side of this pandemic and have fans back in the stands, uh, more times than not, you will be there. You'll be there. And people will support this company, no matter how bad the writing can be. So Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer gave his thoughts about the low ratings that uh, are occurring for the WWE on Raw. And let's hear from Dave Meltzer now from the Wrestling Observer getting his thoughts. You know, they, I, I remember two weeks ago when I told you that they were going to do 1.5 million, except they had that sudden influx of women uh, yes. viewers. So it was like, this was going to happen. It was just like, this was the week where you didn't, 
the men were back down again and you didn't have the sudden influx of women uh, viewers. Um, so it was it was on its way to happening. It wasn't like this happened out of nowhere. Um, you know, and obviously it's been building to this and it will go lower, you know, in time. Um, you know, who knows when. It won't be next week. Uh, next week will be up because of the coming off the pay-per-view. But yeah, it's uh, it's at a lower level. You know, the thing is, is it isn't so much... Well, I mean, it is so much that they hit an all-time low. That's always something significant. But they, their previous all-time low was a 0.46, and they went to a 0.41. So that's like over a 10% drop from the previous all-time low. And that previous all-time low was months ago when they were not in the Thunderdome, which you know boosted their rating. So it was... Um, it was a, you know, not, it was, it was a ridiculously low number. I mean, one that is an unforeseen low number, you know, the kind of like that you probably weren't going to get until probably after WrestleMania next year, but you already got it now. So, um, I mean, there's, there's factors. I mean, because the thing also on the show that was so significant about this, about this, the show is that like, I thought that like the third hour was going to do an all-time record low. I know you thought the whole show would do a, an all-time record low, and it did. Um, but it wasn't like just people tuned out the show. I mean, they, they didn't tune out at any faster clip than any other week. They didn't tune in in the first place. So it wasn't like The Miz turned them off or that terrible Bray Wyatt segment turned them off. They weren't even watching those segments you know to to begin with to to leave i mean they left at a slower rate than usual because they started at a people just didn't decide to watch the show i mean whatever it was what was advertised ahead of time on the show they advertised a couple of things actually they that. advertised a lot well, i don't have it in front of me but i think they had like five things advertised or something like that they had a couple of things advertised um I'm trying to remember what what they said ahead of time. They had AJ and Sheamus was I knew ahead of time. Um, hold on, I got. Let me just look at the the stuff here. The Bray Wyatt um, uh, taking his puppets on that tour that was advertised ahead of time because I knew that going in, and that was clearly not you know something that anyone cared about. Um, the uh, I think the six man tag with uh, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and Jeff Hardy against um, the Hurt Business. I knew that ahead of time. Lana and Nia Jax. We knew that. We knew that a couple days ahead of time. Um, I mean, they didn't tell us about Mason Ricochet or Dana Brooke and Shayna Baszler, but I don't know that any of those were were going to make a difference. So basically, everything they they told you a, a lot about the show and the the AJ and. Um, was the AJ and uh, Drew McIntyre thing at the end? Was that advertised at any time? I don't even remember. I, I don't think so. Okay, well. Because that was matter. kind of completely off guard, but that doesn't mean it wasn't. But yeah. I do not remember that one being advertised. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's a pretty monumental week because um, there is a chance. I, I wouldn't say a good chance, but there is a ch there's absolutely a chance that uh, AEW be the highest rated wrestling show of the week because it will beat SmackDown. Um, and it may beat Raw. And that in and of itself may be the answer that they're missing. Because if this was AEW, um, it would probably, they would probably not go with the mentality that 
Adam Cole cannot be a star on the main roster. Um, and Karrion Cross may or may not. You know, there's not a knock on Karrion Cross. It's a knock on the mentality um, that because of this, you know, because he's got size, he can be a star. And because the other guy doesn't have size, he can't be a star. And in 1985, that was correct. But the world has changed completely. And they're behind the times. And they, you know, to be, you know, the generally speaking in business, the market leader is going to be not behind the times because of the fact that WWE has had so many decades of a head start and is is the established brand in that case right now that's not the case but that will not last forever and it probably will not last another year um unless they start getting with the times and boy i i you know you know i mean one of the things is you watch those finishes on friday smackdown on monday's raw and and it's like that is not with the times at all and the people involved are you know look look i mean Look at the people who are making the decisions. I mean, it's it's like Bruce is, you know, Bruce is a yes man and Bruce is old. You know, he's not a young guy. And that's, and and granted, you don't necessarily have to be young. And there have been successful promoters that have been very old. And there have been successful bookers that have been old. It's not an age thing. But it is a dropping out and coming back thing. There's nobody that drops out for 20 years or 15 years or 10 years, loses touch, comes back in. This, and and all of a sudden is on has their finger on the pulse when they're old. That will not happen. I mean, it won't. It can't. I've seen it with people much smarter than these guys. Because who is smarter than Watts? And Watts was out for five years. Where, where the, and and the business changed far less in that five years than in the last five years. And Watts couldn't adapt. And if Watts couldn't adapt as genius as much of a genius as he is, these guys that people are talking about from the past. They're not, they're not, they're, they, none of them are on Watts's level. I mean, I, and I, you know, I talked to all of them, you know, all through my life and, and Watts, when it came to, um, when it came to this business, Watts was smarter than almost everyone, but nobody, 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 not me, not, not Mike Tanay, not anyone that you want to name that's like, um, you know, smart and wrestling, if they go away for five years and come back, I mean, yes, you probably in a couple of years could catch back up. But that first year or two, there is no way. There's no way. You couldn't do it. I mean, it's, it's, and I don't think that these guys who they think time has stood still, it hasn't stood still. And that's the big problem right now on their side. And, um, you know, that's the deal. Dave Meltzer from Wrestling Observer Radio was with Brian Alvarez talking about the ratings for the WWE. It got into the weeds a little bit, but when he talks about Bruce, obviously he's talking about Bruce Pritchard, who was away from the business for a while doing his podcasting thing back with the WWE. Can you tell Bruce's impact on SmackDown or Raw? I cannot. I really, I, I cannot tell um what Bruce is really doing with the company, but maybe stuff with Firefly Funhouse, maybe, maybe not. I have no idea. It's such a machine. And there's so many people in it. I don't know who's doing what. All I know is that Vince is putting it on TV. Uh, he mentioned Watts. He's talking about Bill Watts. Bill Watts was the owner and the booker 
and the president of one of the more innovative wrestling companies for its day in Mid-South Wrestling. That's pretty much where Jim Ross started his career with Bill Watts. Of course, Bill also was in WCW, so you heard uh, Meltzer mentioning Watts. He's talking about Bill Watts uh, in that clip we just heard. And so you think about it. All the people that Vince McMahon has around him, I've seen these pictures of like 30 and 40 different writers at a table and they all come together trying to figure out how they can put the best Raw, how they can put the best SmackDown on. And ultimately, it's the same show that I've seen for the last 25 years, 20 years. And to me, wrestling people, for the most part, should be able to run a wrestling show. Here's what I think. If I had a wrestling company, and not saying I'll ever have one anytime soon or be the booker for one anytime soon, I would make sure that I have a cross-section of experience from wrestlers that can help build my company. Definitely there would be a couple of writers there, one for continuity to make sure that we're on track. Whatever the story was two weeks ago, it's got to be able to be the story in the next two weeks, the next two weeks, as you build towards something. Sometimes wrestling shows don't have a continuity director, someone that will say, okay, AEW, here's what's going on with Brandy Rhodes, and now she's turned heel, she's turned babyface. Like, okay, so what direction are you going with this? Uh, what, what's going on with this storyline we haven't heard from from three, three weeks ago? So you have to have a continuity to person and a writer to make sure that everything is lined up properly, that everything is right. But otherwise, there's so many people right now in 2020 that should be in a wrestling company helping a wrestling company thrive. And I know everyone doesn't have the same money of, of AEW or the WWE, but the point is, though, is that how is it that Tom Pritchard is not working for some company? Tom Pritchard is one of the greatest trainers and uh, a great wrestler in his day. Dr. Tom Pritchard should be in someone's company, help to help train, to help book, because he's been part of wrestling's culture for a long time. Dude's not even working for anybody. Keith Mitchell, I believe works for AEW. Keith Mitchell was a producer for world-class championship wrestling in the 80s. You, you can't, you don't tell me that Keith Mitchell doesn't know a thing or two about wrestling as far as not just the production part of it, but the booking. How many different finishes has he seen since the 1980s? It's 2020. He worked for Fritz von Erich. You think that guy would know something about finishes? Dutch Mantel. Dutch Mantel has been around wrestling since the Memphis days in the late 70s, early 80s, battling with Jerry the King Lawler, Bill Dundee, all these places. Man, Mantel's been a Continental. He's been in Memphis. He's in the WWE. Uh, he was in TNA. He was part of all, and you don't think Dutch Mantel knows a, a thing or two about professional wrestling? He, he booked uh, Puerto Rico for uh, Carlos Colon. I mean, seriously, a guy like that can't help you? Mike Chioda was with the WWE forever since the 80s, was just recently let go, a longtime referee. He's been in, a referee in every big match you could think of in the WWE other than Dave or Earl Hebner. You don't think Mike Chioda can help as far as finishes or as far as trying to help talent? Uh, Mike Tenay just had been sitting out for a long time. He probably wasn't, doesn't want anything to do with wrestling after his time with Impact Wrestling. But here's a guy who has huge knowledge on the wrestling business. You don't think that guy's seen a thing or two? That guy, that guy can't help you with, uh, with writing or that guy can't help you behind the scenes? Chava Guerrero, part of um, a number of companies, uh, part of the great 
lineage of of the Guerreros and the Guerrero family. Uh, Lucha Underground. He was part of that company. WWE, of course. All those things. You don't think Chavo Guerrero could help? Guys like Bully Ray. Guys like the Fuller family. It's amazing. Uh, Colonel Robert Parker is working for MLW, the one of the Fuller brothers. But Ron Fuller is just doing a podcast telling stories. Don't think he's seen something who a- who actually invented the slow motion replay for, for, for professional wrestling broadcast in, in Continental in Southeastern. There was never a slow-mo replay until Ron Fuller was doing it. I mean, come on. Like, that that goes way back. But he's been in the ring and, and has booked territories for for years, sitting up on a, doing a podcast. You don't think he can help? What about Rodney Mack? What about Jazz? What about Gail Kim? So many people, if I had a company, I would go to and say, hey, Let's see if we can get some experience in here to help the wrestlers with their finishes, with their uh, the way they come across their personalities to dis- determine what's a heel or a baby face in this company. But Vince has writers, writers that try to help the company, but then Vince comes in and tears up the cup, co- their copy. <laughs> it's it's something, man. It it really, really is. By the way, let's talk a little bit about the uh, Jim Ross controversy. Have you heard about this? So this goes back for a few days. I didn't talk about this, but I want to catch up now and talk about Jim Ross. So on Jim Ross's podcast and a couple of interviews, uh, he has not talked about this with me on the air, off the air, but not necessarily on the air. But Jim Ross said this. He says uh, from WrestlingNews.co, and he's also talked about this on his podcast, Grillin' JR with Jim Ross. So the story says that Jim Ross initially stated the oft-used wrestling spot. Um, I, I told a kid the other day at AEW that everyone does the same blanking spot. All you guys go outside. You cluster up like uh, quails. You stand there in a huddle, friends and foes together, side by side, so you can catch some leaping idiot go over the top uh, who never wins with this move. They're looking for the holy shit chant. They love to hear this. This is awesome. It's a spot, folks. It's a trapeze act. I don't buy into that. The DDT is a great finish and should be used as such. So we see this all the time, right? Jim is right. You have friends and foes, and they all stand up side by side to be able to stand there in a huddle and catch somebody that's leaping off the top rope. And as he mentioned, a move that never helps anybody win. And they do it because they love the holy shit chant or the this is awesome chant. You know what? Jim Ross is right. Jim Ross is right. And we talk about trying to be unique, right? Doing something different. Well, we see this all across the board in all companies. It's the new thing now that's been going on for for a, a little bit. As far as saying, I need to be able to do something to pop the crowd. Well, wrestling wrestlers have tried to pop the crowd for years, one way, shape, or form, as a babyface or a heel. But they in the, back in the day when I was watching wrestling, it wasn't trying to pop the crowd the same way all the time. They popped the crowd different ways. And so when we do see the pile up, everyone together, side by side, catch this guy because he's going to fly from the top. It's kind of like, okay, I've seen that before. 
When I see that, when I go to wrestling shows, I don't pop. Because I've seen it a hundred times. Twelve guys are standing side by side. Someone jumps off, and then they all fall at the same time. It's like, okay, so what's new about that move? What's different about that? The answer to the question is nothing's new about that at all. And guess what? Jim Ross is right. But here's Brandon Cutler. If you don't know Brandon Cutler, you're okay. At Brand Cutler. This Wednesday on AEW Dynamite, 7 versus 7. Of course, this matchup never took place. I'll tell you about this in a moment. This is what Brandon Cutler, who works for AEW, who is a wrestler and works in the uh, digital office of AEW, so he has two hats in this company, responds to Jim Ross this way. Not at Jim Ross. No, no, no. He would never add Jim Ross or never talk to him face-to-face about this. No, he does it the pussy way by saying, we're going, we're going to go outside, we're going to cluster up like, like it says coils, but it is uh, quails. We're going to cluster up like quails, stand there in a huddle, friends and foes together, side by side to catch some leaping idiot going over the top. Can't wait, 8 o'clock on TNT, hopefully for 1 million viewers, let's effing go. So what happened was Brandon Cutler cut and paste or just put what Jim Ross said in that comment and put it on his Twitter and did the hashtag AEW Dynamite. A lot of things wrong with that tweet. First of all, Brandon Cutler decides to do this and more than likely did not talk to Jim Ross about this because it would have come out if they had a face-to-face conversation. So Brandon Cutler, who works for the company, who also works in the front office of the company, instead of going right to Jim Ross like a, like a, you know like employees do, like um, people that work in the same company do, no, he puts it on Twitter. And not trying to be funny, he did it because he clearly has a problem with what Jim Ross said. So I have a problem with Brandon Cutler because if you have a problem with Jim Ross, you tell Jim Ross. You don't do it that way. Oh, I'm going to express myself by quoting Jim Ross and say, I can't wait, 8 o'clock TNT. And then the other part that's wrong with that tweet is, hopefully for 1 million viewers, let's effing go. Brandon Cutler, here's why you're not very smart to the business, okay? You think you're smart, but you're not. You do realize that whether it's television ratings, whether it's radio ratings, whether it's views on YouTube, whether it's the amount of people that follow you on Instagram or any social media platform, you do know that the number is endless. You don't cap yourself and says, hopefully you go for a million viewers because the week before, AEW had somewhere in the area of 950,000 viewers initially from their AEW program because, well, they hotshot the territory. This is the same show that had Sting, as we talked about last week, Sting and Shaq on the same show. (laughs) Shaq unannounced. Sting and Shaq were on the same show. And on that same show, there was a new AEW champion in Kenny Omega uh, defeating Jon Moxley. So they dropped the cow in Jacksonville. They hotshot the territory and still couldn't get a million viewers um, in that first viewing. Nonetheless... He says, hopefully for a million viewers. Well, that's not the goal, idiot. The goal is to continue to grow your product. And guess what? The week after AEW had 950,000 viewers, our initial, then they went completely backwards, losing anywhere between 150,000 and 175,000 viewers. So they went backwards in numbers. 
even after Shaq's on the show and after Sting's on the show, a new AEW champion, they, they went backwards after all that. So the goal is not to get out to a 1 million viewers. The goal is to be able to grow your audience. It's, it's saying it's not 950. We want to be able to get 980. We want to get 2 million, 3 million, 4 million. That's what you want. You want to be that good. You want to be as good as the Monday Night Wars, which AEW will never get to 4 and 5 million, do- uh, four and five million viewers a week. They won't get there. Absolutely not. Because times have changed since the 90s. But it's just kind of funny. Like, he's just all screwed up. You diss Jim Ross in that manner on Twitter. And then you say, hopefully for a million viewers. And guess what? In that matchup in which the best friends, top flight, Varsity Blondes and Brandon Cutler were all in the match against the inner circle. Somehow, way, Brandon Cutler wasn't on that, on that show. He thought he was going to be involved in that matchup, and he was not there. Brandon Cutler was not on that show. <laughs> all that. Boy, when keeping it real goes wrong, right? Oh, and just one other thing on this. So Dax Harwood, Dax from the um, from FTR says, imagine not listening to criticism from the men and women who shaped our profession and paved a road that allows you to make a living today, all because they hurt your feelings. There's actual adults in that locker room. And for sure, it's Dax. For sure, it's FTR. And so he didn't go at Brandon Cutler, but you know Cutler saw that. It's just, it's just nonsense. It's nonsense. If you are Tony Khan, when you were not doing cutting promos in Impact Wrestling, if you are Tony Khan, what you're doing is, is that you're talking to Brandon Cutler, say, what is this? If you have a problem with Jim Ross, tell Jim Ross. But don't expose yourself on social media going after one of our legends. Hey, whatever you think about Jim Ross in 2020, bottom line is that he's seen a lot and done a lot. And he thinks that he doesn't think wrestling should be in the 1980s. I don't think he believes that. As a matter of fact, he's actually going along with what's going on now in AEW. But what he's saying is just certain nuances can be changed. That they can be innovators. AEW can be innovators and do things completely different from the WWE. Remember, All Elite Wrestling is supposed to be the alternative to the WWE, not alternative WWE. Big difference. Arn Anderson, the founder of the Four Horsemen, on his show, The Arn Show, uh, from Westwood One. He's with Conrad Thompson, and they're talking about TLC 2015. So they go back in time and talk about TLC 2015, the good and the bad. And they stumble along talking about the Wyatt family. Arn Anderson was an agent for the WWE, a producer for the WWE for a long time, and was a big fan of the Wyatt family. Well, who wasn't when they were all together? Why don't you listen to the analysis of Arn Anderson as he talks about Bray Wyatt and the Wyatt family. Uh, This may surprise you. Um, but this is WWE, maybe not. I think if you looked at the Wyatts and you just saw those guys walk into the ring, there's another fumble of epic proportions. Major. Who could who had a chance against those guys? You know, when there was four of them, when you added him, you look at Big Red, you look at Harper, you look at Bray, 
And then you put Braun with those guys. You know, you send the shield out when it was just three of them. You had a, you had a matchup. Now you had the fourth guy. Who the hell, you know, if you're an audience member, who in the hell is going to be able to stand a chance? And it's one of those things that you hope and pray for and try to assemble all the time to get that faction that is just going to dominate everything. There it was. It's right in your lap. Another major fumble. Do you think, um, I mean, here's the thing. The, the Wyatt family obviously was money, and everybody knew that. And they positioned him nicely. You know, I mean, he's he's rubbing up against The Rock at WrestleMania. He had a match with The Undertaker. He had a match with John Cena. Uh, and then fast forward, our most recent WrestleMania, I mean, it was almost like a main event-style match, the match he had with, with John Cena, in that they spent so much time, effort, and energy making it cinematic. They've doubled down on the Fiend character. But in the, there were missteps along the way where it doesn't feel like Vince was as committed. Do you think it was just a case of 50-50 booking and there was no, you know, you, you sort of referenced it earlier, that, that Ryback and now Rusev were, were two guys who had this these big, long, undefeated streaks. And they just didn't protect Bray the same way. But the story was always there. Do you think, you know, the, the way Bray had his ups and downs really does prove that, as silly as it sounds, because people still argue it, wins and losses really do matter in pro wrestling in 2020? Especially when it's on the big ones. Right. There's a stretch. Now, I'm not a, you could, Cornette could probably tell you right off the tip of his tongue. You know, he's a historian. There was a stretch where Bray went like 0-8 at WrestleMania. You, were you aware of that? No. I wasn't aware of it either until somebody told me that. I mean, he lost, or maybe it was maybe it was not WrestleMania, maybe it was pay-per-views. 0-8 in a row, which is even worse, which means once a month, every month, he got to the big dance, couldn't, couldn't go over. Could not get over the hump. And that's a huge booking mistake. It just is. Bray, Bray Wyatt had such control of that character and still does. I mean, that guy lives inside of him somewhere. That's what's so scary. Um, but with the other guys, Harper has proven what I've said all along, what a tremendous talent he is. Big Red's a killer. Braun Strowman has gotten better leaps and bounds every week. I mean, it's just like it was the writing was on the wall. Those guys were in a situation where they could have been so dominant. And it was just, a, I think, another fumble. A lot of times you just put the wrong guy over on a big show. Speaks for itself, doesn't it? Arn Anderson talking about Bray Wyatt, talking about the Wyatt family. And Arn's right. He's right. You think about the Wyatt family, how over it was. And it's almost like in my mind's eye, I'm thinking, well, the Fiend character came from Bray Wyatt. It didn't come from an office. It didn't come from Vince McMahon. Of course, they might have done some fine tuning here and there. But ultimately, Bray went into Vince and said, this is my idea. And yet the Fiend has not gotten over, really. And someone will say, well, Hood, he was the WWE champion. 
You mean like Drew McIntyre and Kofi Kingston was WWE champion? Yeah, it's not the same. That's not quite the Backland, Hogan, Sean, Brett, not even Kevin Nash, <laughs> Diesel type run with the WWE championship. I think you know that. I know that as well. But I, I don't get it. You know, here's a guy here that never needed a championship. Bray Wyatt never needed a championship. This guy here, I've said many times, he's just as evil as, or more so actually, than Kevin Sullivan ever was, or Raven ever was, or Mark Lewin, or some of the dastardly people, dastardly characters that we've seen in professional wrestling. See a lot of those guys. And Bray Wyatt, or The Fiend, is a terrific character. But even as good as it is, and how much of a difference maker it is, it's not over to the point where it's a must-see every single week. Yeah, there's a Firefly Funhouse. There's things that they do, but it's not the same. It's just not this. You can just tell that it's kind of underwhelming what's been going on with uh, Bray Wyatt and the WWE and his run. TLC 2020. And the main event is Randy Orton against the aforementioned Fiend. Someone has to be set on fire... And whoever gets on set on fire, they lose the match. And if you set your opponent ablaze, you win. Great. The Fiend gets set on fire. It's funny, you know, he did, wasn't even rolling around selling it. He just, just laid there in the middle of the ring, and there was Randy Orton that struck a match and just threw the match on the prone body of The Fiend, and he just laid there. You know, when the WWE set Jim Ross on fire, I think Kane set him on fire or someone, yeah, you know, at least Jim Ross was trying you know, stop dropping and rolling. Ah! Oh, God! Oh, God, I'm on fire! Ah! I'm on fire! At least he was rolling around trying to get the fire out. Fiend just laid there and take and took it. And ultimately, that's what he's been doing in the WWE a lot, just laying there and taking it. 
Yep. So that was the end of TLC 2020. I'm sure Vince McMahon got a kick out of that. Setting an opponent on fire. That's what I've wanted. Okay. How about this matchup? Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. I think this is one of the matches of the year. I really do. I think Roman Reigns has really come into his own. I would love to be able to see this Roman Reigns in front of fans and see what the response would be. Would it be all cheers because he's a heel? Or would he get more booze because he's being the chief now? Because he is really his personality, and that is a heel. Been waiting for this for a long time, and every week that you see Roman Reigns, you can see, okay, Tribal Chief, you get it, right? And he's got Jay Uso doing the bidding for him. And so in this matchup for the Universal Championship, Roman Reigns takes on Kevin Owens in a TLC match. It was really good, and the story that was told was Kevin Owens just won't quit. No matter what you do to him, he just won't quit until he actually just did run out of time and ran out of steam. I found it uh, very odd, though, that the ongoing theme from the announcers to Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens said, you have to kill me. And the announcers were like, hey, it's Kevin Owens. He, He just won't die. If I'm the WWE and you had a death on your hands in the ring in uh, Owen Hart, I wouldn't use that phrase. So and so just won't die. I mean, you can't, you got you can't kill this guy. He just won't die. First of all, that's Matt Hardy's slogan from years and years ago. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's kind of odd for the WWE to use that verbiage uh, on their program. He's talking about Kevin Owens just won't die. Well, I know someone that did die at the hands of the WWE once upon a time at Kemp Arena in Kansas City. Special counsel Heyman. Owens got a super kick, stunning the champion. Where is Owens getting this? And another one, the champion's in trouble. Kevin Owens looking for a pop up power bomb and a Superman punch by Reigns. Victories in the history of WWE if Kevin Owens can 
clear path to the Universal Championship to make history. Owens is there, Corey. Owens is there. Kevin Owens has got the title in hand, and there's Reigns now. Oh, Roman Reigns with a low blow. A low blow by Reigns, and now trying to lock in the guillotine. Atop the ladder. Reigns squeezing the breath out of his challenger. And Kevin Owens' body has gone limp as he crashes to the mat, leaving Roman Reigns a clear path to the Universal Championship. One more step for the head of the table. And slowly, the championship is right. Here is your winner, and still the Universal Champion, Roman Reigns! Roman Reigns stays Universal Champion. He has just been a terrific character here in 2020. He's been fun to watch in the WWE. So, my hope for 2021 is that we as wrestling fans will be able to get back to the arenas and we'll be able to watch wrestling live on the other side of this pandemic. That is the hope. And 2020 has been very interesting. Um, as we went through COVID-19, the WWE and AEW found a way to be innovative and others followed suit like Impact Wrestling and MLW and uh, the NWA. I thought that 2020 had some momentum for wrestling and then the pandemic hit. So it might be a starting over point for many organizations across the country and around the world. But we as wrestling fans will always stay united. And no matter which wrestling you prefer, should be interesting to watch uh, for sure. Uh, just because the holiday doesn't mean that we stop doing TWT. Oh, no, I got a very special TWT for you next Tuesday. And don't forget, if you are enjoying this podcast, uh, leave five stars and reviews, especially if it's on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening. Love for you to be able to let people know about Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Don't be selfish. Tell people about Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. My hope is that you have a great holiday, a great season's beatings, and uh, let's do it again next week, another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Don't forget to follow along on Twitter, Wrestling TWT, on Twitter and on Instagram, Instagram.com. I'm Jonathan Hood, and we'll talk to you next time, another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday.